Hello and welcome to the A-Form show. My name is Alan George and thank you very much for tuning in. Each week we sit across from thought leaders and change makers in the architecture and design space of the GCC. We dive deep into their experiences both professionally and personally and share their valuable insight as to what makes them tick. Our goal is to add value to your day and help you navigate your own personal creative journey. Finally, the opinions and the views of the guest speakers are that of their own. They do not necessarily represent the views and the opinions of the show or the host. Hello and welcome everyone. Today we are joined by Amar Al-Assam from Diwan Consultants. Both Amar and Diwan are two individuals and company that need no introduction. If you have been in this design ecosystem, you've definitely heard of both them already. So I'm going to let Amar take over as soon as possible. Thank you so much for joining the show, Amar. Thank you, Alan. Uh, and thank you, the A-Form show, for giving me this opportunity to talk a little bit you know, about our firm, but more interestingly, talk about the industry, talk about the trends, and talk about you know what our community is doing in this uh, hopefully post-COVID year and, 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 and beyond. Yeah, like it's very tricky to actually say, is it post-COVID? We don't know, but maybe. I mean, obviously, we're all hoping for the best, no doubt. I kind of want to start us off kind of in the beginning, (laughs) you know, kind of like how this movie starts. Sure. In the beginning, because the one is one of the few consultants in the city, if not the country, that can actually claim to be what I kind of say as a legacy consultant in the sense that you truly have history in this city and in this country. So for people who may not know the depth and the breadth of what all has happened with the one since its inception, could you maybe run us through how it started, where we are now and what's to come? Absolutely. So originally my family is from Iraq. And Iraq uh, in the 70s was going through a lot of uh, political upheaval. Uh, my father left in 1974. I was two at the time and moved to Ras al in uh, 1974. We, we moved as a family, my, you know, the rest of our family in 75. So we grew up there, moved to Kuwait a bit. And uh, then my father moved to uh, uh, Abu Dhabi in 1984, where the firm actually D1 Architects and Engineers was first sort of established officially under that name. Right. You know, obviously, uh, we're in our 37th year of existence. So, you know, there is a legacy. And this is something we'll talk about in a bit, which we're very proud of because, you know, Diwan has become to some extent sort of a school for architects and some engineers. You know, many people have been with us for many years. Those that go on to do other better things, you know, are still friends of the firm. You know, we refer to uh, our people as Diwanese and it's it's something that culture of the firm is extremely important for us. And culture, you know, permeates everything from ethics, permeates to attitude, permeates to sort of uh, a focus on uh, on quality because that's something we're, you know, very proud of and and, and something that's sort of inbred into all our, our people is how to deliver quality service and quality design as well. You know, so people, when they go on to other firms or other countries, it's also you know, a, a proud moment for us to see that these people have also sort of learned in, in, in the D1 uh, school and, and, and moved uh, to, to better uh, things. So 1984 was, was, was the year we were in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi was going through, uh, you know, a bit of a, a boom. There was all these, what they were called at the time, Khalifa Committee Towers, which were, you know, the 20-story towers. Uh, you know, the late Sheikh Zayed, you know, God rest his soul, you know, had a great plan for, you know, changing Abu Dhabi from quiet fishing village, pearl diving village to a really cosmopolitan city. And did that very quickly. So between 1984 and actually probably early 90s, we probably designed and executed as well the supervision of, of I would say, no less than 100 plus buildings wow. uh, in Abu Dhabi. You know, these are all sort of the old downtown of Abu Dhabi. You know, and, and we quickly established ourselves as one of sort of uh, the most uh, one design oriented firm and uh, also one of the... Uh, uh, largest at the time in Abu Dhabi. And we continued doing that, you know, uh, up to probably 1997, 98, when we actually uh, set up an office in Dubai as well. So, uh, you know, Abu Dhabi was always, you know, the, the, the center of work. It was pre sort of Dubai uh, economic uh, turn and, and, and vision. And, you know, we still you know, have, a, have a lot of pride in saying that we are an Abu Dhabi homegrown company in addition to a UAE homegrown company. Although Dubai today is our largest office and really our headquarters where all the management sits, you know, Abu Dhabi still is, is, is a very important uh, base for us. And, and the building I just showed you earlier, uh, which is called Benias Tower, uh, was 
probably one of our first projects. And it was one of the first sort of curtain wall, you know, glass uh, system buildings that was built at the time. So it was, you know, we've always been into innovation and trying new things and trying to introduce uh, new technologies or technologies that haven't come into this part of the world in, in our designs. Can I then just ask, just as a, as a point of curiosity, sure. at the time when Banias Tower was done and that system was basically not really seen as commonly, would you know what the kind of reaction was, both from, say, public and from your, I mean, the client at the time? Were they on board, excited, scared? Yeah, no, I, I think in, in, in general, you know, the UAE has always been a forward-looking country, you know, through its leadership and through its people and through its expat community as well. Everybody is very well traveled. They come from different parts of the world. So uh, it was actually an exciting moment. And, and even to this day, this building sits, you know, right, you know, bank center and on the middle of Corniche Road. Right. Um, of course, the Corniche it used to be 10 meters from the sea. Now it's set back probably 50, 60 meters because, you know, they've done some land reclamation and, and expanded that area. You know, for many reasons, but no, it's it's you know, whatever. It's thirty plus years on. I think this building still, uh, you know, looks and feels right, and I think that's the essence of good design is to do timeless uh, design. And this is one of the you know, sort of the you know ethos of D1. You know, uh, there's a lot of great designs now, and a lot of you know, uh, very uh, let's say experimental design as well. Uh, you know, whether it's here in Southeast Asia and in, in in the U.S., North America, and so on. But I think timeless design, you know, I was in New York two months ago and you look at the Empire State Building. I mean, it's, it's, it's a 120 years old building and, that'll never uh, get and it still looks great, yeah. you know? And, and uh, I mean, just to sort of, again, uh, talk about something else on the side. Did you know how, how long it took to build the Empire State Building? I feel like I was told about yeah. this and it, it, it was something ridiculously long and what they thought it was, it was almost 10 times longer or no, something No, actually, like it's the complete opposite. I was shocked really? by that. It's, uh, I think, just over a year. Wow. It's a 110-story building plus, I can't remember exact height, done, you know, 110 years ago uh, without the technology of pumps and cranes and all, wow. uh, you know, things we have now. Done in, in 13 months, I think it was. You know, look it up or, or, or you know, I invite the readers, to, uh, the listeners to, to look it up, but it's... Uh, yeah. It's um, impressive what you could you could achieve, you know, back then. Uh, project managers listening in, uh, <laughs> this is not a norm. There's no need to be revising timelines based yeah. on that example. But yes, I agree completely. Mm. Definitely will look yeah. it up. And everyone listening also definitely look it up. So so in, 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 in 97, we decided to also set up a, you know, a small uh, offshoot in, in, in Dubai. Uh, and that's actually when I joined the firm in 98. In Dubai, we, you know, was just the beginning sort of pre-internet city, pre-media city, pre-all those, you know, announcements that really transformed the city over the last, you know, 20 years, really. I think 2000 was the year the internet city was, was, was announced because of our reputation and, and uh, you know, from Abu Dhabi over the last, you know, I think it was 15 years at the time or more, we quickly established ourselves as, you know, a credible consultancy firm and were involved in, you know, some very exciting uh, schemes, uh, you know, buildings in Business Bay, uh, Ibn Battuta shopping mall at the time, projects really all, all across uh, the city. But up to that point, we were still sort of doing uh, uh, or running the business the same as we've always have. Right, um, and this continued, and you know, and and, and uh, up to about two thousand and seven. Uh, and obviously, I'm skipping a lot of you know important years, of but, but because we have thirty seven years and we have, I think, forty five minutes, <laughs> it's going to be very <laughs> difficult to to get it all in. But really, so up to two thousand and seven, we were you know we were loving the Dubai boom. You know, I think everybody was. I think the, in those probably you know seven eight years, the amount of exposure that all firms and all architects and engineers in this part of the world you know, uh, got is, is, is probably worth a hundred years of experience globally for anybody. I mean, we were, you know, doing a hundred story buildings, we we're doing super malls, we we're doing hotels, you know, really it was unprecedented and, and no, I mean, I think there was more work than anybody wanted. And of course, then the economic crisis happened in 2008 and which is normal in any part of the business There has to be you know, cycles of growth and cycles of stability and, and, and sort of, you know, more organic growth. So in 2007, actually, we, we, uh, and I think this wasn't done much in this part of the world. One of the largest private equity firms called Ithmar Capital came and invested in our business. So they bought a minority stake, uh, minority being under 50%, you know, did not get involved in management. And, and really the aim of, of their investment was, you know, to grow and, and ride on the growth of the industry 
that's happening uh, the construction industry at, at the time for our side the reason we uh, you know decided to to take this uh, sort of direction which usually architects don't like because architects are, are, are very careful about their business and ownership and creative uh, control and so on. But these just happen to be the right partners, the right, and it's all about people. You know, if the level of trust is there and the level of, 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 of you know, looking people in the eye and, 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 and seeing that this person is, is, is out to help you is, is important. So for us, it was partially a, you know, a good opportunity to exit part of the business and, and reward ourselves for the hard work that's been happening for the last 25 years at the time. But more importantly, it was to really set up the new vision of D1 as really a, you know, a corporate entity that has succession planning, that has corporate governance, that you know, moves from being a family business to really a business that can go uh, you know, beyond uh, the... Because they always say architecture firms or any businesses survive the first generation, second generation, third and generation destroys it. Exactly, you know? exactly. So we don't want that. We want, we want this uh, firm to have a legacy and, and to continue beyond you know, my father, beyond myself. Um, and really, uh, we were looking at things like, uh, you know, stock ownership programs. We're looking about, you know, partnership programs, and we're still looking at that even up to date. So that sort of relationship ha- helped a lot with, with, you know, moving the business into really a, a full uh, established business and, and also gave us a bit more, let's say, comfort in looking outside the UAE. So we set up, actually, so 2003, we set up the Baghdad office. You know, which was an emotional uh, thing for us, the family, because you know, obviously, we left in in, in the seventies and hadn't right. been back since then. So that was important uh, for us from just an emotional and sort of you know going back home type uh, scenario. And we did quite a bit of work in those few years. Um, you know, there was a lot of euphoria at the time uh, post you know, Saddam that you know uh, Iraq, as you know, is 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 a big country with lots of. Uh, Resource. Uh, resources, uh, uh, lots of thinkers, and lots of opportunity because it really had done nothing for 30 years except wars. You know, unfortunately, civil war happened, and 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 you know the political issues there, which are still there, continue. So uh, you know, we but it, it, we did a, a good amount of exciting work. Actually, some of it is sort of uh, urban rejuvenation projects of historical religious cities. Um, you know, projects that are. I uh, say more grounded in 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 uh, in history than you know commercial uh, projects, which, right. which we have been used to uh, up to then. Two thousand and seven, we also set up uh, our or two thousand six actually, we also set up our Riyadh office, you know, which was supported by Ithmar at the time. They tied us up with one of their investor groups and and helped us you know get into Saudi. And again, what we realized is that you know going to Saudi was not such a difficult transition. You know, coming from the UAE and coming from Dubai specifically as well, it's such a great brand that this city has built. They're really wherever you go, you know, you have uh, you have uh, credibility, you know. And I think this is you know something that really Dubai should congratulate itself on, and the UAE in general, because I don't think many cities in the world or many countries in the world are able to do that. Right. And again, it's been the experience that we've had over the last you know twenty years or, or so in Dubai with you know the big boom. It's also been probably the exposure um, because Dubai is such a cosmopolitan city with expats from all over the world, from every corner in the world, um, that uh, you know, it becomes a good brand. So Saudi you know, uh, became an important market for us. Obviously, 2008 crisis came and, uh, and uh, you know, was, was, a, was a big blow to everybody. Yeah. You know, uh, for us, we you know, had to do what we had to do. We, we, we regrouped. We kept our, you know, our position uh, with, you know, our core people, those that had to leave, had to leave. Uh, we tried to, again, because we are, uh, you know, very well sort of focused on, on culture, we tried to, you know, help people as much as we can. It was a difficult situation for everybody. I mean, there's, there's no denying it, but we tried to move people to other offices, which were doing better. We tried to, you know, secure jobs for people, put them on unpaid leaves. And I think we weathered that storm really well. And that, and that was a, a turning point in sort of ND1 is resilience, is, is that we've proven ourselves what we're able to do in other crises. I mean, crises continue to happen. Our construction business is cyclical. You know, global crisis ha- crises happen every, you know, uh, years. The pandemic came. Um, you know, and we were again quite well suited and 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 uh, and able 
to maneuver uh, quite quickly. You know, we're, we're not a small firm. We're not a super large firm. We're, we're probably about 500 people today. But we really operate like a nimble, you know, uh, flexible uh, boutique firm, if you like. You know, uh, decisions are done very quickly because owners are management. The senior leadership uh, besides the owners are also, you know, uh, very entrenched in, 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 in D1. You know, some of them are actually uh, have, be, have given, been given uh, shareholding as well as part of an, sort of an incentive plan. Um, and they've been with us for 20 years. So there's, there's an ability to react very quickly, which I think is one of our success points uh, throughout, uh, throughout the years. So post-economic crisis, you know, really within two years, we recovered. And actually 2010, 11, 12 were one of our bigger years even uh, in terms of profitability. You know, sometimes also these uh, sort of difficult, uh, you know, crisis or economic, uh, uh, you know, uh, situations uh, help you to sort of refocus the business. You know, you become more nimble, you become more efficient, you become more sort of, uh, you scrutinize your numbers more. Right. Um, you know, you focus uh, on, on, on efficiency, on efficiencies and, like and on the right projects as well. I mean, it's always yeah. important to sort of get the right projects. And the right projects is, is not just commercial. I mean, I think we all know architects are not the best business people usually. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, and, and design and, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, making sure that uh, yeah, the uh, business the business may suffer, but the business the business may not. suffer. So for us, it's always been a fine balance between that. So we want to make sure that we choose the right uh, clients, we choose the right partners, uh, as we like to call them, and really deliver on 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 projects. That's from the commercial side. The reality is, uh, on the flip side, is that we also are known to always invest way more than. Uh, you know, what the job calls for, because we, we have a strong belief that you're only as good as your last project. Right. You can have 35 years of existence if you have one bad project. And we all have bad projects, you know, for many different reasons. It could be internal, external, you know, third party, environmental, whatever. And, you, and all projects have complexities and, 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 and challenges, but it's how you, how you approach those challenges. It's, it's how you, you know, your, um, how your, uh, I guess, perception of self-worth as a firm and as, and, and as humans, uh, you know, take on the, that work to make sure, because we, we really genuinely, you know, care about uh, our projects. We genuinely care about making sure they get delivered to the best of our ability. And we, and we believe because of the scale of our firm, we're able to sacrifice sometimes commercial uh, if the project, if it. the project is, 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 I mean, all projects are worth it. If the project uh, will allow us, and also subsidize with other projects, it's it's, it's really like a volume uh, right. game of sorts. Right. But as long as you, you know, we have our, our 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 positions and and you know our our vision, you know, for delivering quality projects at the end, this is what what, and this is inbred. Uh, you know, in in all uh, uh, embedded, sorry, in in all the uh, in all the uh, staff, really. Right. And if you walk around, you'll see that the firm is, you know, uh, many. We have, I think, I think thirty five nationalities. Last time we counted, you know, uh, a good proportion of females and males as well. Split. Uh, it's really quite an open, friendly uh, environment that you know people like to come to work and enjoy. It doesn't mean they don't work very hard. They work extremely hard. You know, our people really are our prime assets and, and we make sure we tell them that, you know, almost every other day, you know, right. because uh, that's, that's, right. that's the nature of the, of the, of the job. Right. So post, uh, you know, uh, opening up Saudi and Iraq, our next um, sort of uh, market, uh, uh, let's say, because, because we've always been expanding our design capabilities. You know, so we can talk about technology, we can talk right. about, you know, moving to Revit, which was a big drive. Um, but really it's also been about, you know, we want to expand our network and become a global company as much as we can within the confines also of our ability to deliver quality, because if you grow too fast and you don't have attention and we, and we are, you know, very, you know, I'm personally involved in every single project to some level. doesn't mean I'm involved in the design, but I'm aware of all the issues, all the, uh, you know, progress. Uh, relationship with the clients and myself and other, you know, sort of leader, leadership team. And when you grow, obviously beyond a certain capacity, you cannot do that as much as you Correct. as you want. So we so we're growing, but you know, sustainably, cautiously and organically yeah. and sustainably. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so our next foray was was into Southeast Asia, 
you know, and we were, you know, we, we did a, uh, we spent a few months doing, you know, sort of research of which, which markets, you know, uh, suit us and which markets we want to penetrate. And that's based on sort of growth and construction sector and, and, and so on and so on. And it came down to a few. We focused on Vietnam initially, you know. And How so? I mean, I mean, what, what about it at the time was... So, so, so I'll tell you just to, to, re, to digress a little bit. So we, we had, we, in 2008, which I forgot to mention actually, and my, my colleagues in, in the Manila office will not like it, but <laughs> we set up uh, Diwan Manila in 2007, I believe. And the reason for that really at the time wasn't to, uh, you know, go after the market there. But, you know, 2007, 2008 were great boom years here in Dubai. You could not find any architect, you know, or any engineer. It was, it was, it was you know, mad. Uh, the amount of work that was out there, the resources, it just, you know, there was not enough uh, capacity. So we set up a Manila office and quickly, set, you know, have about 60 people there now. You know, even when the economic crisis happened, we kept the team working there. They are an essential part of our design team. So how we're set up is every design team, as I showed you earlier, you know, in, 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 in the studio, every design team, uh, you know, has an extension in, in the Philippines. Um, and the reason for that is m multiple things. One is availability of resources around the clock, you know, so before we used to have different weekends, obviously our weekends right. are more aligned now, but it was the weekends and also the hours. Uh, in addition, uh, you know, is that the cost of running an office in the Philippines is also marginal, marginal compared to, to here. So that's, you know, how we sort of set up the Philippines office and it, and it kept uh, gro growing and we're about 65 people, I think now, um, and, 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 and we have bigger plans to grow that. So as we started thinking, you know, over the years is that, you know, we have an office in the Philippines, we have 60 people. Why aren't we actually targeting work in the region as well? Right. And that's sort of how, you know, the conversation happened about Southeast Asia. And really you have two growth markets. You have Africa and Southeast Asia, and both were interesting to us. Uh, in addition, to, in addition to sort of securing our markets, obviously in Saudi Arabia and the UAE and Saudi Arabia is, you know, is growing also at a tremendous rate. Africa was secondary to us because it's a bit more complex. It's much more uh, uh, diverse, uh, you know, it's, it's many countries. So we, we, we hired a firm, a consultancy firm that just sort of gave us, you know, research material and, 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 and uh, analysis of the markets as we chose, I think, probably about 12 or 13 countries in Southeast Asia. And really we narrowed it down to, I think uh, it was Vietnam. I've forgotten now which countries it was, but it was, but it was really one is market uh, opportunity. But also probably selfishly, it was countries we'd like to visit, you know, you know, I <laughs> think make I, a holiday you know, out of yeah, it. you know, it's, uh, it's always nice to go and, 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 and Asia is just unbelievable. And Vietnam is really a very impressive country. So we, yes. we went, we went and we tried to set up an office. Obviously COVID happened, so we couldn't set up an office uh, and Vietnam is just opening right now, actually this week. And we're going to go now with a big plan to set up an office. But we managed to secure about four projects in Vietnam, you know, uh, high rise uh, towers and in, in mixed developments, uh, really very interesting projects for, for great clients. In COVID also, we managed to secure uh, uh, two very large uh, uh, mixed use uh, um, high rise hotel slash, you know, uh, residential projects in China as well. So um, I, I think the, the pandemic also allowed us to expand, you know, through uh, Zoom and Teams. Right. Whereas before people were very wary of, 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 you know, but really, I mean, today the world is global. The pandemic helped make that even more global, you know, because it forced us all to, you know, move technology to, to, to technology, which was already there. I mean, it wasn't, it's not, uh, it wasn't sort of a, a magical moment, but it's just, you know, when people lose that fear factor, suddenly we're doing, you know, you know, more efficient work. Our Philippines office just went back to the office this week after two years of working from home. Wow. So we had 60 people working from home in different parts of, the, of, of Manila with intermittent maybe issues of, you know, uh, uh, power, internet, internet and power and so on. Yeah. But really they were, they were amazing. And, you know, and we're working today on projects where we have, you know, people in, in, in the US, we have, you know, uh, partners in the UK, Europe, Asia, you know, all working simultaneously you know, one on our ability to use technology like Revit and also, you know, communication technology. So, so that's sort of a quick summary of, you know, where we've uh, set up. I'm sure I've missed a lot in, in between as well, but uh, I we, think, I know, think anyone who's, yeah. who's, uh, who's heard so far is just like, what else could there be? <laughs> I mean, it seems just so, I, I understand why you say it is so brief because 
we've obviously you know you, you've walked us through our through through the offices and we've seen the entire history so yes i completely understand that there's obviously so much more that you skipped but a few things that i want to just quickly touch upon the main one being i think anyone who's actually listening to you probably if they didn't know you were an architect you probably sound like or come off as business operator economist not particularly design oriented which is perfectly fine but i'm sure there are a lot of designers who are tuning in thinking i want to also do that i want to also become that learn that so for them how did you make that transition what did you have to do were there any skills that you had to pick up which maybe they can sure i mean look the reality is and i've said this before architects aren't always the best business uh, people minded people for many you know the creative side versus the analytical business side right sometimes they don't always uh, you know uh, align align uh, actually, I'm a civil engineer by 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 degree. I apologize uh, yeah. immediately, <laughs> uh, but I like to think of myself as an architect. You know, I'm b- sure. B- yeah, <laughs> yeah. D- design. I think design is 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 uh, is a passion. Uh, um, you know, so I studied civil engineering and I actually studied. I uh, did my MBA as well. Uh, and I think probably learning from my father the business side of things is is sort of what what drove me in this position. Now, we ha- we have great architects and great you know, directors of design and great, uh, you know, people, some of them who, who you know, and, and obviously running a business like, our, like ours at this scale uh, means that I do need to focus a bit on the business side, um, you know, more than the design because, you know, uh, I, 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 so, yeah. one is, is, is capacity and, and two, you know, let every expert uh, do what, 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 what they're best suited to do. What's your question? <laughs> The question was that if there's a designer listening in or an engineer also listening in and they, because obviously a lot of people straight out of school, Mm. especially design school, have little to no knowledge about actual business setup, accounts, how things work, overheads, margins, all those kind of things, which typically most designers pick up as you practice in the firm that you're in. But for someone who's never done that, who's always been very front end, for example, how do they actually pick up these skills? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it, to be honest, you learn it on the job. You can study it and you can learn it and you can take degrees and you can take, uh, you know, courses. But I really think, you know, getting a sense, uh, you know, of, of, of numbers, getting a sense of, you know, uh, how to scale a business, uh, you know, growth strategy, all that. I think part of it is, is inherent in your personality. Um, you know, some people are great designers. Some people are more analytical. Some people are, you know, more entrepreneurial and so on. And, and, right. and, and some people have a mix of, 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 of different parts of that. Um, so doing it on the job and, and making mistakes, right. you know, Best way to uh, it's, it's the best way to learn and, and, and really surrounding yourself with, with people who give you good advice. Right. So having good mentors, having good colleagues who, who, and who you can trust. And I think, you know, nobody can do everything. So, so I think your ability to, to build relationships with, with people that you work with or people that are external who might support you uh, and getting advice and, 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 and being open to getting advice. I think that's, right. that's, that's probably critical. I mean, one of probably my most uh, the book I, I like the most is called Love is the Killer App. I don't know if you've ever read that book. Nope. Uh, it's, it's a very short book. It's about this uh, gentleman. I forgot his name now. It's probably about a 10-year-old uh, book, actually. It's about this guy who was not very successful in school. He's very smart, but just not very successful in school. Um, you know, over time, uh, became, I think, number two at Yahoo at the wow. time. And the summary of the book, I won't go into too much details. The summary of the book is that to be successful in life, you have to be likable. To know a little bit, to know a little bit about your 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 right. your you know your job, and a little bit not not obviously a little bit, but to, to know your job. But really, it's about being likable, and and that helps with selling. That helps with building relationships with your partners and suppliers. That helps with your colleagues, uh, and that gets you through life. So so he you know from 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 really being a, a failure. Uh, at school became, you know, one of the most successful people because he was likable. He exchanged information with people. He shared one of the things he did a lot was, you know, if anybody asked him for anything, he'd always do it. He was very open. He wasn't about, you know, holding uh, information to himself. He used to recommend a lot of books to, to friends and colleagues and, and quickly established himself. Obviously, I mean, this is oversimplifying it, but yes. I think, you know, being likable and, 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 you know, having an honest, 
uh, an honest uh, uh, sort of introspective uh, relationship with yourself is right. is, is is what is you know, key is, yeah. is key to to to, to your success and, and anything architecture or 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 other businesses yeah right 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 no absolutely and I think you touched upon again. Something which is quite interesting, kind of identifying what individuals are really good at, let the experts do what the experts do, which I think is brilliant. But I can see how that's easy to do in really small firms because it's quite simple to kind of see it very evidently at a, at a kind of, you know, top down model. But in a scale like D1, for example, just by the nature of it, it's, it's, it's quite difficult for you probably as one person to be able to identify this across all the the individuals under your umbrella so i'm kind of curious as to what are the kind of hr models or kind of systems that you've put into place to kind of identify and nurture these things yeah so so it's not so much hr systems i mean obviously hr is is critical to being able to you know recruit uh, retain um, you know and, and find the right people and so on um, but I think, and you touched on it exactly, is that you know the culture permeates from the, the top, top all the way to the bottom. Yeah. So you know, I know that my director of design is going to hire like-minded people. Right. He knows that his uh, design manager is going to hire like-minded people, um, and I think we've been very successful in, uh, in that. Whether it's by design, but it's probably a bit of luck also. I think we have quite a high retention uh, rate uh, as well. But people at D1 do no notice and again don't don't take my word but ask ask some of my colleagues do know that you know the management and owners care about them you know and and we try to do you know things on a personal level so people have issues we try to resolve them we help them support them but also you know in terms of you know just general day to day there is a, a, you know a very clear i think and and, and strong um, focus on on making sure that everyone knows that they're an important part in this machine. Now that's obviously easier to do in your home market. Right. The 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 trick is when you expand to new markets with uh, with new cultures and new ways of doing things, and is how to you know recreate that. And 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 that's what we've. Sort of, it's a bit more challenging. So we've yeah. been very successful in Saudi Arabia. We, you know, we've been successful in the Philippines. Have some great people, and, and really, you know, self motivated and 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 take great pride in their work. We're doing it now. One of the one of the the, the cities I forgot to mention is that we just set up an, last year our office in Cairo as well. So we're trying to do that. And we had a discussion about this this morning, actually. You know, with with some of the senior directors, is how do we, you know, so we want to attract the best. How do we do that? We want people, you know, to want to come to D1. So the brand is there, but they want to come to the same D1 that's known in the UAE, you know, right. uh, with its one look and feel. You know, you've seen the office, you've seen sort of the 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 atmosphere that that's you know sort of loose and relaxed and and design oriented. And we want to replicate that, we'll replicate that, you know, uh, you know, aesthetically and physically, but also with the culture. I think you know one of one of the uh, additional layers that's helped us do that is that we have uh, you know many of our senior leadership team, and we continue to do that sort of rise through the ranks. So they've seen all the different uh, uh, you know sides of the business. They've 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 you know come in maybe as a as an architect and become a design director, um, and uh, you know they've been with us 15, 20 odd years. And and they just you know the culture becomes part of them as well, and they you know and they continue sort of promoting that uh, in their own recruitment in their own uh, sort of style of. I think we've been very lucky with that, to be honest. Right. I mean, obviously it's it's intentional, but also it needs a bit of luck. I mean, right. Let's be honest, we have been very lucky with the people we have and 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 uh, and the culture that we've built, in, and we want right. to continue doing that hopefully. No, I think anyone who, who, like you said, kind of walks through your office gets that immediately. I mean, this is my first time here and it's, it's just a vibe. It's an energy that you kind of pick up. Absolutely agree with you completely, which, which is kind of a good segue into also what I want to talk about, which is with employees like that, I can now very easily understand why uh, the project we're going to talk about I can easily understand why the one was kind of at the forefront of that. And that of course is kind of the big buzzword at the moment, which is 
you know, the metaverse and, you know, VR experiences and everything kind of related to how contracts are now, you know, going to be completely digital and NFTs. And there's just so much explosion of information out there in this field. And fortunately, it's a lot of opportunity for people like ourselves in the design ecosystem. Barbell is obviously a project which Diwan has done. And again, I don't want to be giving sort of second, third hand information out. I'd, I'd rather the audience hear it from you directly. So kind of maybe walk us through what was the interest for Diwan in the metaverse, what led to the project and how was it received? Yeah, I mean, we just ran out of countries and started to go to the metaverse. <laughs> no, 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 on a serious note, look, you know, we, we have actually uh, a lot of young people within the firm, you know, and we actually have an entity called Young Leaders of D1, you know, who get involved in competitions, get involved in initiatives, community initiatives. Uh, and, and really the purpose of that is to create, and these are people you know, um, who are maybe just graduates, you know, fresh entry, entrance into, into D1. And, and, and a lot of these young people sometimes are not given the opportunity to, to excel or, and they just become sort of, you know, pieces of the machine. But really we, we thought, look, let's, let's, let's try, let's experiment. Let's, let's find some of these people, create that entity with D1 where they're doing design competitions. Sometimes, sometimes they do like product design using paper clips and just sort of, you know, creative, uh, creative uh, projects that are not necessarily driven by our day-to-day, -day, you know, commercial activities. Um, uh, so, so, you know, when, obviously we've been hearing about, you know, cryptocurrency, all that kind of stuff over the last few years, you know, I don't claim and none of us claim we're experts. I don't think anyone knows what, what's going on, but there's obviously a lot of, a lot happening. You know, uh, we've been looking at uh, or reading about just like everybody else about these, you know, metaverses, you know, with, with uh, you know Meta, uh, you know doing doing their own thing, Sandbox, Decentraland, and so on. Uh, you know some of it sounds ludicrous. You know, let's be honest. But there's a lot of money and a lot of a lot of attention, uh, attention and 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 some interesting things that are coming out of it. And Dubai, you know, has taught us that they're usually one of the great experimental grounds for that. So so um, one of the things that attracted me. You know, one of the one of the articles I read is that, for example, Nike, uh, you know, bought a virtual shoe company recently, and that's sort of one of the what the article when I read it. I'm like, look, the world is changing. You know, light let's, bulb. <laughs> let's 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 look at this. You know, yeah. um, and we're looking at it initially not from a commercial perspective. We're looking at it from sort of let's let's you know learn and 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 do and 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 see what comes out with it, out with it. And we're speaking to different people. We're talking to. Um, you know, uh, uh, people in the US, people in Europe were involved more into that. Uh, we also spoke to our friends, uh, you know, at the Dubai Future Foundation to see what Dubai's plans are. And it seems Dubai has some exciting plans uh, for this world as well. And they'll be launching something or announcing something in the next uh, couple of weeks, from what I understood. Um, so we said, look, let's, let's, let's do an NFT. Right. You know, and so we, uh, we design and the, and the NFT, you know, obviously the NFT, you know, is a non-fungible uh, token. It, it's in, on the blockchain. It could be an image, could be a video, could be any digital asset. And we didn't want to just do, you know, renders or, or, or something like that. We said, let's do a community project, you know, where we do this surrealistic, futuristic uh, project that's never going to be commercially uh, built. And that's what, you know, Babel, uh, uh, and we called it Babel 4.0. Babel obviously is the old ancient city in Iraq and 4.0 because that's the new sort of, you know, future of uh, internet 4.0 and the internet of things and big data and all that. Um, and, and if you, you know, if, if you, you can take a look at the NFT, it's on uh, OpenSea uh, uh, under D1. But really it's a surrealistic uh, uh, building of infinite height uh, with a helix ramp that goes all around. So you can go from the lowest floor to the highest floor. There is no highest because it's, it's infinite really. Um, and what we decided to do is, is one, create this NFT, launch it, uh, and then create a hundred sub NFTs of this and gift it to, uh, leaders, uh, in industry. So this could be, you know, uh, one of the interested parties is, is the city of New York, for example. They heard about it through the media and they're interested. So the person who 
was involved in the design of uh, uh, on the urban side of, of New York, so the High Line the project, High Line, and, yeah. and you know, and uh, and some other exciting projects. Was interested, so we said, look, why don't you join us? We don't know what it is, what it's going to be, but you know, we're talking to people like Autodesk, we're talking to you know universities, we're talking to designers, suppliers. Uh, young designers, furniture suppliers, product designers, and really to sort of create a community. There's a hundred NFTs we'll be giving out, you know, over the coming weeks. A hundred we chose because Babel had 25 gates, uh, you know, on on uh, on each side, and so we created this hundred number. Uh, uh, it's, it's a not-for-profit project, right. but it's really to build a community of of. So we'll have things like exhibition space, virtual exhibition space. We'll have, you know, town halls where people come and and be able to talk. And when I say we will have, uh, and I'm skipping a few stages, is that we actually uh, have purchased a plot on uh, on one of the meta uh, verses, and we're gonna one build Diwan's office in the metaverse very soon in the coming weeks, and also place this first Babel there, and it becomes really a place where you can go virtually and you can have you know, uh, uh, exhibition space for NFTs. You can have uh, community building activities. You can have meeting spaces. You can have town halls. You can have exchange of information. Really, it's, it's again, it's an experimental thing and it'll be growing excessively. We looked at, uh, you know, some of what other architects are doing in the metaverse, you know. So there's some, there's not a lot of work, to be honest, on the metaverse from architects, surprisingly, although we are, you know, probably one of the most, you know, prolific I mean, you would producers think, of content. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything. All we do is produce content every day, right. you know, uh, but not a lot is, is, is happening there yet. You know, there are people tinkering with things. There's, you know, there's a, there's actually a, a, a virtual market for architecture NFTs in the US, which is being launched now. Uh, there are some people designing houses. There was that house that got sold for half a million dollars, a virtual house, Mars house, I think yes, it was called yes. or something. But not a lot is happening, but it's, it's, it's coming. I mean, in, in what form, you know, will everything that's happening now change in the next year? Yes, for sure. But you look at every industry, every uh, sport, every entertainment, every educational uh, is looking at it, you know. So we believe there's, there's a strong uh, demand for it and, and it's only going to grow and evolve and change. It's like the internet in day one, you know, but designing... If we, if we talk about it from a sort of a, a perspective of an architect designing uh, buildings or projects without gravity is you know gives you is gives super you, exciting yeah it gives you huge I mean you know architects hate engineers because <laughs> you know we place columns and we place MEP spaces and and we and we you know sort of uh, pull back from their creative juices but really on 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 the metaverse you can design whatever you want you know and I think this is good from the perspective that it gives. Uh, creative people and architects the ability to you know dream beyond reality um, now it becomes okay how do you create a, a commercial aspect of it so there are people designing for example buildings in the metaverse you know so somebody wants to set up a headquarters people are setting up you know nike wants to set up its own offices there you design that's somewhat interesting for us but we don't think that's you know, our end game. We want to become, you know, you know, more interesting players in the metaverse. We, we don't want to just do what we do in the real world and do it in the metaverse. So, right. and this is what we're, you know, and we have, uh, you know, uh, some interesting plans which we'll announce over the coming weeks as well. Awesome. But definitely it's experimental and it's, uh, but this, 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 the, the, the growth, uh, you know, potential of this is huge because every day you're reading about things that are, you know, we used to take years is happening in weeks. And, and I think in a couple of years, we'll see a completely um, uh, uh, different world. Actually, I was speaking to a very good friend of mine. And, um, you know, he's like, thank God we're going to die soon. Because I don't want to be living in this world where it's, which everything looks so complex. I mean, my, you know, my kids who are you know, 15 and, and 13 and 9, they probably understand more about this uh, than, than I do. You know, right. they, 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 you know, they talk about it amongst each other. Uh, collectibles, you know, when kids used to collect baseball cards or football cards or marbles or whatever, it's all moving digitally, you know. So it's a whole uh, new world that's 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 that, that's coming that we might not, you know, be able to visualize. But I think in five, ten years, it's it's going to be some exponential uh, change in, right. in, in in how we live and and, and transact and positive no. or negative. I, I that, <laughs> that I cannot judge. You know? 
No, I mean, no one can really tell if it's positive or negative yeah. until it actually happens. But yeah, I mean, congratulations for actually kind of, you know, diving into that world. <laughs> I think I think the potential is is great. Again, like you said, whether it's good potential or bad is left to be seen, but there's definitely some potential there. Kind of coming back to the real world. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> as... As kind of a final question or final topic, if you may, I kind of just wanted to pick your brain as to what are the kind of projects which you think are of interest in the next, say, 10 years for Dubai, in the sense that based, obviously, because you have such a deep-rooted history, both professionally, personally, as well with the city and so on, uh, you've obviously literally seen the city grow up. What do you think the next 10 years Dubai actually needs? What should they invest heavily in? What's, what should they be building? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. It's a very difficult question to answer. I think the, 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 if we talk about Dubai specifically and not the UAE or not beyond the GCC, I think Dubai has always been amazing at you know, reinventing itself. You know, and and uh, we're fortunate enough here as well that the government is is a big sort of uh, leader in in reinventing itself and creating new markets and new opportunities. And I think that's driven again by necessity. You know, countries that uh, you know need to to grow and change and they have the right leadership, which this, which Dubai definitely has. You know, are the ones that will always prosper. I mean, look at look at COVID. You know, the rest of the world was was falling apart. And really, Dubai, we had, what, two, three weeks of lockdown, not even. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, business flourished. Real estate prices have doubled. You know, the amount of people I see coming into the country who have never come in, you know, as investors, as, you know, and these are not, you know, what we typically have seen in the past, which might be the Brits or the, you know, Indians or the Arabs or the Russians. It's actually, you know, I see people from Switzerland. I see people from Monaco. I see people from China, uh, you know, Africa. And really, they're coming to invest in the country because I think they've realized that, you know, the UAE and Dubai specifically, you know, is a great place to live and, and, and there, there are great opportunities. I think because Dubai has been on such a tra trajectory of growth since 2000, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to take a, a pause and see, okay, what should we do now? And I see that, I think the government realizes that, the leadership realizes that. Uh, so investment, I mean, from my personal perspective, you know, and it could be just sort of you know, selfish, uh, you know, uh, what I want to see here. You know, I'd like to see more culture, you know, more museums, more uh, events, more, uh, uh, you know, I mean, the expo has been amazing. You know, I mean, uh, the expo, I think, is, is going to be a great platform for that. You know, 10 years ago, it was the announced, you know, I haven't been to many expos, but, you know, people I've known say they've been to 10 or 12. This is probably by far one of the best organized and you know you always know when dubai does things they do it right you, know, yeah. you don't even have a fear that they're gonna yeah. mess it up you know um and the milano expo had issues but this one just went and look it's f five months almost yeah you know we yep. thought, i thought six months is a long time but it's actually i sort of wish it's another six yep. months you know yep. because there's yep. still a lot to see and, and, and time passes so i think the expo and, and and sort of re you know repurposing that as a legacy project um, uh, you know, with culture, with, uh, uh, you know, other uh, types of activities centered around that could be the new thing. Of course, Dubai is always going to be known for commerce and retail and, and all that, you know, again, not to go back into the metaverse, but Dubai could be, you know, an important ground for that as well, you know, for uh, conferences, which Dubai has always been, you know, great at doing. So doing conferences virtually through Dubai, I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, retail. Again, virtually, they're talking about things like, uh, you know, virtual travel as well. Uh, but the physical side of things, Dubai is, 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 is a, you know, uh, probably one of the best infrastructures in the world. You know, uh, people like to come here. You have the airport, the roads, the system, the hotels, everything. Um, I think probably education and culture is what I would say. Right. You know, uh, I mean, um, 20 years ago, there weren't many, you know, universities here. Now there's dozens of good universities with good programs, you know, uh, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi as well. You know, uh, 15 years ago, I would never think of having my kids study here. You know, we'd always think of sending them to Canada or the UK or the US. But now there is actually, you know, uh, a real opportunity for keeping uh, uh, people here and studying here and having, you know, being part of, being part of the academic process here. So, so I think education, investment in education, which is happening, but just having sort of more 
you know, good universities are obviously always tied to good R and D and, 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 you know, and, uh, and grants and all that. We don't really have that in the universities yet in the education system. Education system here is, is typically tied to, you know, private sector, uh, investments. Uh, once you have that and, and you have that whole chain, you really see everything, you know, from ho- great hospitals and healthcare to great education, to great culture. And, and, you know, Dubai is just at the start. I mean, if you think about it, it's, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, obviously the UAE has been here, you know, for a long time and Dubai has been a, you know, an important, you know, uh, trading uh, hub, you know, uh, to the subcontinent and Iran and so on for many years. But uh, uh, this is only 25 years or something of, of that phenomenal growth, which is nothing. Right. You know, so the next 25 years, uh, you know, and, and one thing we've learned is you can never, uh, you know, underestimate Dubai or underestimate Dubai, you yeah. know. Yeah. They always find a way to come back and, and the people are so resilient and businesses are so resilient private sector, government sector, really everybody is, it really is an, an exciting entrepreneurial uh, city. And it's becoming, it has become a global city, but I think it can be the global city uh, not far away f- from now. And, you know, uh, we're very fortunate to live here. You know, I mean, uh, I look at friends of mine in Canada or the UK or the US and, you know, we've always looked up to those, you know, countries and cities as, you know, the best places to live. But really, there's nowhere in the world that I would like to live right now than than uh, than here, and it's and it's the truth, and it's and this and this this comes across to everybody from at all uh, nationalities and at all levels of of uh, the economy. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, I mean, as 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 someone like myself who's born and raised here, I I completely agree. Similar thing. I've had colleagues and friends go across uh, the pond on the other side. Same story. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant place to kind of conclude this session of the podcast. I'm sure there is so much more that we have to talk about. And without a doubt, I'm sure that you're going to be on for definitely a lot more episodes in the future. I know that you're very, very busy. So therefore, on behalf of the show, we'd like to thank you for giving us your time. This show is only possible because people like yourself donate your time and kind of share the knowledge and experience that you've gained with our listeners. So thank you very much. And uh, we hope to see you on again very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alan, for giving me the opportunity. I think what you're doing is is, is great because it tackles, you know, uh, design and tackles our industry, uh, you know, from different angles that are not always commercially driven or about, you know, public relations or promoting. It's about really digging in deep, you know, into the people, into the environment, into the community and, and you know, you should be congratulated for that. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for the rest of you guys, we will catch you guys next week. Fellow A-formers, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being part of our journey. And thank you for the immense support we've been receiving for our episodes. It has and continues to be a very bumpy road, but we wouldn't want it any other way. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, please share this episode with anyone who may benefit from it. But of course, if you loved the episode, follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn, send us a little DM, and we may just send you a secret link to a secret episode which we've been working on. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. See you next time. Keep sketching.